0: Listen to NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
2: It's up, It's up, It's up, It's up, It's up.
1: This is Talk
3: of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister. And today's guest on the Modern Woodman phone line, it's former Ole Miss basketball player Murphy Holloway. An all-time Ole Miss basketball great calling in from South Korea. Yeah, South Korea. That's where Murph is now. He's coming up at about 10, 15, 20 minutes. But first, Colin, what's up, man?
1: Not much. Murph is a uh, well-traveled man with his with his overseas basketball. He, he's been to a lot of different places.
3: France, now South yeah. Korea. I can't remember where else, but he went over most of them. He's been everywhere.
1: I feel like he gets forgotten a little bit more than, he, than uh, some guys, but he was so good, man.
3: Yeah, and still not being slowed down going left in South Korea. <laughs> You'd be surprised to hear that, I'm sure. But Marshall Henderson's been on this podcast a lot. Nick Williams... Murph was on it a couple of times a couple of years back. He's making his grand return to talk of champions. One of my favorite dudes, and I thought it a good time to catch up with him because Ole Miss basketball is hot right now. 4-0 after a win over Seattle on Tuesday. Next up, Memphis on Saturday, number 16 Memphis. They won't have James Wiseman, but still a good basketball team. We mentioned this on Tuesday. That's probably the top Ole Miss story this week. You still holding true to that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man, I don't really even know what else would be in contention, right?
3: Yeah, I don't know. That voice you hear is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. i have Ben Garrett at Spirit ben on Twitter. Before we really get going here, let me tell you about my bookie and Impact by Ironwood. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline. And get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000 right now, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code TOC, TOC for Talk of Champions, to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code TOC to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Memphis and Ole Miss renewing a rivalry. Memphis hosts the first one. That's on Saturday. Ole Miss and Memphis will take on each other in the pavilion December 5th of next year to kind of close out that home-and-home. Home. The AD search is coming into focus, looking more and more like Keith Carter. We'll touch on that to close out the show. But when you look at this basketball team, after four games, Memphis coming up, the schedule's about to get tougher. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, You know, look, obviously the, the Kermit wasn't exactly happy with his offense and how they finished the game last night. I think it's a it, it's a team that's like we've said all year it's it's going to be a team that takes some time to gel but I think that when you look at this team at the end of December beginning of January it's going to look a lot better on the offensive end I think they're going to play well together um I think they're playing pretty well too considering Brian Tyree has not been what he's going to be in the player that we know he is look they're defending well they they I think they've got some guys that have shown some real improvement on the offensive end when Brian gets to go on, I think this team's got a chance to be really, really good.
3: It's a small sample, three games, but going into the Tuesday night's game, Ole Miss was sixth in the country in scoring defense and had held Seattle to 24 points, I believe, at the under-12 timeout. Yeah. The reason why Kermit was hot, and he was hot in his post-game mm-hmm. press conference. I was sitting there. He was mad, and he was mad because not only did Seattle close out the game on a 15-2 to run, but after the under-12 timeout, scored 28 points, and that's with Carlos Curry, Franco Miller, Tavian Colum, guys at the end of the bench playing most of the minutes. As good as Ole Miss's top end of the roster is right now, there are some guys on the bottom end that they need to step up and help them and are concerned about their role or have voiced a displeasure with their current role. And they proved last night in their extended time against Seattle, not guarding, not running offense, having no interest, quite frankly, in doing those things, that maybe, just maybe, Kermit's right in having those players where they are currently. If Ole Miss expects to go further, and the end goal is not just making the NCAA tournament, but winning a couple of games, matching the greatest accomplishment in Ole Miss basketball history, and that's the Sweet 16, you're going to need guys like Carlos Curry, like Franco Miller, like an Antavian Column, to once inevitably an injury happens, to step up and give you some value. And right now, after four games, you can't trust them to do anything for you.
1: No, no. And that was that was kind of the thing with last year is when guys got in foul trouble. I mean, you were playing guys that uh, showed really no promise. So look, foul trouble happens. Injuries are going to happen. you um, have seen that with Blake Henson. You're right. At some point, one of those three guys at least is going to have to be able to compete on an SEC basketball floor. And if last night was... Any uh indication it didn't it didn't bode well from that aspect.
3: No. And Tavian not going anywhere. Not only does almost like the upside, just like it did with Carlos Curry in his quote red shirt freshman year from last year, but he also has some pull with Kennedy Chandler. They're close friends. That's right. one of their top twenty twenty-one guys, along with Sean Ruffin and a few others. So Antavian column is no threat to not be on this roster next year. But if you're Carlos Curry, you've been in this program now, go we'll be at the end of the year, two years. Franco Miller, same thing you're both the top options to be let go and replaced should you not be able to prove that you belong, that you can give Ole Miss some value. And I think through four games, if we've got questions about Ole Miss, it starts with the offense, the ball's sticking too much, but more simply, Ole Miss should have a backup point guard, and right now that backup point guard is Brian Tyree, and that's not Uh the way this is supposed to be going
1: you got to get some contributions elsewhere because how do you how do you manage Brian and and Devante's workload if you really can't play them together because Brian needs to play the one when Devontae's on the bench. Uh, that re- really limits a lot of stuff that you can do. Bryce Williams is going to have to I think he's the guy right right now yeah. if they're going to have a backup point guard it's going to have to be him cuz I just don't see it with Franco Miller right now.
3: I don't either. He's been a ghost, quite frankly, through four games. And Bryce Williams gives you some offensive upside, but he's got a guard. And as a Juco yeah. transfer, you need to see more out of him on the defensive end to be able to rely on him heavy minutes. I think adeem C had one of his very best games against Seattle, starting to show more physicality going to the rim. One thing that's glaring to me when I watch this team play, they have some great pick and roll actions at the top of the key. But because last year, Devontae Schuller and Brian Tyree were so accustomed to playing with Dominic Olenichek and Bruce Stevens, who are both so slow rotating to the rim, he's getting open in the block and they're missing those passes because they're not used to throwing it down there. So you're going to see more numbers from Hadim C, both on offense and defense, through blocks, rebounds, whatever you want to say, as the year carries on. Right now, Devontae and Bree are learning to play with him and play with the five, quite frankly, that can do far more, including stretching out to three. He made his first career three-pointer on Tuesday night, did Hadim C, than Dom and Bruce could ever do last year.
1: Yeah, especially from a defensive aspect. And we're right, he's a lot more athletic offensively. Uh, not, to, not to get off that point, but I, I was really impressed last night. And I know he didn't score a ton of points, but you can really tell what what's, Ole Miss has to look forward to and Sammy Hunter as well. He's the
3: one guy that I'm giving the most leash to, the longest sure. leash to. He was the last guy to report. Spent all summer working academically to get eligible. He didn't get a Canada trip like last year's team. He didn't get the summer like Antavian Coleman and a few others did to get his feet underneath him at Ole Miss. He's learning completely on the fly, and he's flashed moments of true brilliance. The one thing you can't coach, the one thing a kid just simply has to have, is want to and energy and nonstop hustle. And Sammy uh-huh. Hunter has that. Is he going to mess up? Yes. And he's going to mess up a lot. But he's messing up full
1: speed. He and uh, K.J. Buffin feel like they're going to be a real problem at, that, uh, at the point of that 1-3-1 defense.
3: Blake Kinson returns at Memphis. He got in a limited practice on Wednesday. They were off as a team on Wednesday. He had to work individually. He's going to practice in full Thursday, Friday, and then go through the walkthrough on Saturday. Assuming there are no setbacks for Blake Kenson, he's going to play against Memphis. I think his minutes are going to be limited. But once he does get his body back conditionally, he's 226, the lightest he's ever been. He gained a lot of weight due to inactivity because of the injury. got up well over 240 pounds. So he's in good shape. But game shape, banging with opposing teams, that's going to take some getting used to again. And once he does figure that part of it out, once he does settle back in, Blake's going to start somewhere. I don't know where, though. Luis Rodriguez is coming on. If you made me guess right now what Kermel do, assuming Luis continues to play well and continues to do the things that they want him to do, and that's rebound, opportune scoring, and good defense, Blake's going to start at the four. And KJ is going to start at the five, and then they're going to bring the oh, wow. rotation with Hadim and Sammy going in and out of the four and five wherever they need to play. That depth could be pretty sick. But Blake's going to start because Kermit, I think of all the players on his roster, and I'm taking into account Devontae, Brienne, and KJ, he trusts Blake the most.
1: It feels like a, uh, a Hadim C versus Luis Rodriguez battle for that starting spot, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. Hadim's going to be fine. And I've said it before. I think yeah. I said it on Tuesday when we talked He's going to be a completely different player come SEC play. Once SEC play rolls around, that kid, if you made me guess, and this is purely me guessing, is going to be playing at an all-league caliber level. I'm not worried about Hadeem C. I'm just curious to see how Kermit Davis divvies up the minutes once Blake Kenson is back full go.
1: Speaking of Luis, it's, it's good to see him get back to what they kind of wanted him to do that the last two games after, I guess, a little bit of a rough start in the exhibition and against Arkansas State. Look, depth is never a bad thing. I can't think of a sport that matters less who starts um, because you have guys that come off the bench that wind up playing more minutes than starters. So uh, Ole Miss has a six or, well, seven to eight man rotation that they trust right now. And I, I don't really think it's going to matter. I mean, you're right. Blake Henson, K.J. Buffin, Brian Tyree, and, and Devontae Shuler are going to get the majority of the minutes, and they'll deviate it up uh, between three or four other guys uh, for the you know remaining minutes. But I don't think there's ever been a team that's had this depth that, that Kermit has this year, and it really kind of feels like he's going to add on to it going into the years going forward.
3: Oh, yeah. The deal with Luis is let's not pretend he had a huge role last year. Sure. He played a little bit, but it's the same thing as Terrence Davis. Now, he's not going to take the same kind of step he might, but more likely than not, he's not going to take the same sophomore step that Terrence Davis did. But I could see, and I'm not comparing him to this player, but I could see Luis Rodriguez before his old Miss career is over – acting in a similar way or performing in a similar way for his team as Brandon Clark did for Gonzaga. Now, Brandon Clark has been great in the NBA as a rookie, a 23-year-old rookie. He's already the third man for the Grizzlies. He's been awesome. I'm not saying Luis Rodriguez is ever going to be Brandon Clark, but for what Ole Miss needs out of him, those floaters in the lane, the defense, the rebounding, the passing, he could be a poor man's Brandon Clark. Not to say he's not talented on his own, But I just think Luis could do those type of things, bring those type of qualities to the floor, that type of role, a Brandon Clark role that Ole Miss needs. I think that's what he's ultimately going to end up being. But this year, there are going to be some learning moments for him, some times where he comes off the floor because Kermit's just frustrated with him, and that's part of the learning curve. He admitted to Kermit that he should have trusted Luis more last year. Yeah, Ole Miss had little depth, no depth virtually last year, but Luis could have actually helped them especially later in the season, and he didn't trust him enough. So I think that has slowed him down, but Luis is going to be good. I just don't know if it's going to be this year that he's that good. And I think that Ole Miss fans can sometimes have a tendency to ride off a player, or be surprised by him taking a step in his development as a junior because you put too many expectations on him like a Luis this year as a sophomore or Hadim as a junior college transfer. They're going to be totally different players once they get enough playing time. You can't expect them to come in and set the world on fire. Hadeem maybe had a little bit higher expectations for because he's played at this level. But we have to keep in mind and we have to be patient with the fact that he dropped down to Juco. And the same thing with Sammy Hunter. You have to be patient. He didn't get to Ole Miss or enroll until August. It's going to take some time for some of these guys. And that does not diminish what they can be or are or will be as basketball players moving forward. We'll get right back to Colin Brister in this edition of Talk of Champions after this brief word on Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions? And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sanatolia, and Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue, that's just past Kroger, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep.
1: You've got guys that are gonna gonna take development, and and you kind of hope that over the next four games. Look, Kermit mentioned in the, the in his uh, press conference, it's about to get real. Uh, you got Memphis, you got Penn State, you got Oklahoma State or Syracuse, and then you got Butler. Um, and so th- these guys are gonna have to they're they're to get you know hit hit in the mouth like you said. I guess I ask you, out of those four games I mentioned, what constitutes a success?
3: I think success is relative, but I would say if you come out of it two and two, you're good.
1: Yeah, I'm not Kermit wouldn't sign up for that. He's not going to sign up for losses, but that certainly no. helps your resume.
3: I think he would say to a man off the record, completely in passing conversation, that he'd take two and two. Remember, yeah. they lost to Butler last year, and Butler wasn't even that good. They're getting Butler back this year. They're getting him at home. If they get the Memphis game, most of those other games are kind of gravy. You're going to be better than Penn State, but Penn State's on a neutral floor. So anything will happen or can happen on a neutral floor. When Memphis lost to Evansville, no one wrote off Kentucky for the rest of the year. Now, Ole Miss is not Kentucky. But basketball is not like football to where if you lose to Evansville like Kentucky did, well, all of a sudden you're out of the national championship or the NCAA tournament discussion. If Ole Miss loses to Memphis, not all is lost. There are other opportunities. If you get Memphis it gives you a little bit more leeway because resumes are built or fall apart, really, in the non-con. But Ole Miss has opportunities, and I would be shocked if they don't get at least one or two of these
1: games. Hypothetically, let's pretend Ole Miss beats Memphis on Saturday. The NCAA Selection Committee is not going to roll in in March and say, well, James Wiseman didn't play that game, right? That's not how that works. No, that's
3: not how that works. When the NCAA Selection Committee starts to decide which teams it's going to put into the tournament – All it does is look at blind resumes. Your numbers are what you say you are. And if Ole Miss, which is number 55 in Ken Palm, goes and beats Memphis, that's all they're going to look at. There's not going to be an asterisk saying, oh, well, James
1: Wiseman wasn't there. That's not how
3: any of this works.
1: I guess real quick on on Memphis, where does the – I know you mentioned that Memphis comes back here uh, to the Pavilion next year. Does the football rivalry have to continue to continue to play them in basketball?
3: I don't care. (laughs)
1: I'm with you, but I'm just asking, is is that the case? I don't think so. Okay.
3: Well, for Memphis, probably. Memphis is probably contingent, as far as its basketball scheduling is concerned, on Ole Miss continuing to play Memphis in football. But if you're Ole Miss, is the benefit of playing Memphis in basketball worth it for the football game? No. You can go schedule comparable non-con opponents in basketball and give yourself a win in football rather than a toss-up in football where the opportunities are less and a loss to such a team pretty much sinks you early or late in the season. It's dumb if you're a football team and 80 teams go to bowls to play a Memphis. Unless you're playing a Houston kickoff or Orlando kickoff or an Atlanta kickoff, all of your non-con games should be cakewalks. There should not be Cal. There should not be Memphis. Ole Miss has scheduled Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern can beat you. Yes. It makes no sense.
1: They play Georgia Southern next year, and then early in the 2020s, I do not get scheduling an option team that is frankly kind of competent.
3: I don't understand. I do not understand it for the life of me. New Mexico State was the perfect non-con yes. team. But you shouldn't be playing that team in November. You should be playing them to start the season. I mean, this year Ole Miss had no clue what it was, offensively or defensively. But yet you go play Memphis, which understands what it is, its identity, its coach's tenured there, and you're trying to figure it out on the fly, a brand-new coaching staff, a brand-new offense, defense under a new defensive coordinator,
1: and get a win. You were setting yourself up for failure. And the you're the trying you- to do all of that on the road. How different is the conversation about Matt Luke if Ole Miss plays South Alabama game one and gets a win, and it's five and six going to start? It's a whole different deal, isn't it?
3: Of course it is. Yeah. Because you beat South Alabama. It used to be under Cutcliffe, they would first start the year with what, Murray State? Right, yes. And then they turn around, they play South Alabama, and then they get into the meat of their schedule. Mississippi State got one thing right under Dan Mullen their non conference schedule was a joke. And it always should be. If you're Ole Miss, if you're Mississippi State, if you're a middle of the road SEC football program, make the path for yourself as easy as possible in the non con because you know you're going to take losses in the league schedule more often than not. Is there going to be a year where you win 10 games? Well, if you're Ole Miss, that's the hope. You build with like a John Rice Plumley and a Jerry on you get that group, that class in, and they're pretty good as freshmen. They're better sophomores, but then that junior year, you're taking your shot. That's the 10-win-we're-taking-our-shot year. But you've got a schedule like that, understanding that you're not going to compete every single year for 10 wins for the SEC West. You're trying to compete for an SEC West title once every three years. So your yeah. scheduling should reflect that. If you want to go for it in the junior year of John Rice Plumley when he's learned how to throw the ball, okay, go for it. Have a Houston kickoff against oklahoma state i don't texas tech not when you're breaking in matt corral in an offense with a brand new offensive line lost all your wide receivers the only known commodity you have is scotty phillips alex gibbons doesn't count because at that time he'd been hurt for months on end you don't go play memphis at memphis
1: I wonder how necessary that is. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like you have to schedule games right now for 2030. Like, what, What's stopping you from scheduling a game three and four years in advance?
3: They do that because that's kind of what the culture is of football now. If you're not getting those games locked in now, you're not going to be able to do it closer to those seasons. I've talked to Ross Bjork, Keith Carter, and other athletics directors, sitting athletics directors at SEC programs, and all of them have said the same thing. If you're not scheduling well in advance, and balancing your budget as far as how much you're going to pay for certain opponents, because you're not going to get non-con opponents that you're going to beat the crap out of without paying a pretty penny for it. Sure. So you have to account for that in your finances, in your budget. And so they have to do that that far in advance. But Georgia Southern should not be the team Ole Miss is playing. <laughs> maybe with a sophomore John Rice Plumley and a sophomore on Ealy, maybe you get away with it. This year, playing Memphis, playing Cal, it made – Absolutely no sense. And next year's schedule, even taking Georgia Southern out of the equation, was already tough as hell. Yeah, Baylor. <laughs> I mean, if you're Matt
1: Luke, you're you're looking at your scheduling. People thinking, throw me a bone. Matt's gonna go. I mean, he he started with Texas Tech last year. He started with Memphis this year, and he's starting with a Baylor team this year. He's gonna be underdogs in all three of those games. I'm pretty sure he's an underdog against Texas Tech. Now, granted, it was small, but I mean, he hasn't. Look, I'm. I mean, I've got. My criticisms of Matt Luke, but he hasn't exactly been given the best start to his three seasons as the head coach.
3: Even still in the winnable games, he's lost all of them.
1: Sure. And that's on him.
3: Yeah, that's on him. But what's not helping him is it's not like Ole Miss is giving him some layups to help him out. You're all supposed to be working in conjunction here. Keith Carter's probably going to be the athletics director. Keith, if you're listening, and I know you do listen, you've been on this podcast countless times. Schedule some cupcakes. (laughs) fans are going to show up for new mexico state the very first game of the season of course they will don't schedule memphis
1: what does athletic director ben garrett do about the power five deal like like who are you scheduling
3: kansas but i mean texas tech was fine yeah you had some veterans on your team the very first play of the game jordan tiamu bombs one to dk for a touchdown it's okay if you understand the scheduling for the roster that you have if you're working with that roster in mind a good starting place would be taking out a yellow notepad here's the line all right John Rice Pumley is a sophomore he's going to be junior here all right then we're going to have to be replacing a quarterback a running back and yeah, okay uh so let's schedule in that next year after JRP and Jerry O'Neilly probably leave after junior season the season opening game that next year will be New Mexico State Furman looks great. Yeah. Now, junior year of JRP, when I'm mapping this out, all right, cool. We're going to open against Texas Tech because now we're shooting our shot for ten wins.
1: Yeah. Like we mentioned, it. Granted, it's tough with you know the advanced scheduling and all of that, but it does come a point where, and you're right on the Memphis thing. I'm right there with you that if if you're all you're getting is basketball games for it, it just doesn't seem worth it. No. If Memphis not. wants to play five or six basketball games for a football game, we'll, we'll have a conversation then.
3: Yeah, even still, you can always find good non-conference basketball teams to play against. Go play in two tournaments, for Christ's sake. You don't have to play Memphis. I like the game. It's going to be a fun environment on Saturday. Not only do Memphis and Ole Miss play at noon, but after they're done, the Grizzlies host the Lakers with LeBron and AD. That's great for Memphis. I'm all for it, but it has to be done at the right time. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, write your view talk of champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Make sure to leave that five-star review. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmusSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Coming up right now on the Modern Woodman phone line, it's Murphy Holloway, all-time Ole Miss basketball great. This is Talk of Champions.
0: You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial
1: advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent
0: today.
3: Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures. This is Talk of Champions. i am Ben Garrett at SpiritBent on Twitter. Joining me now. One of the greatest Ole Miss basketball players of all time. It's Murphy Holloway. It's been a while, Murph. How
2: you been, bud? I've been good, man. Just enjoying the process over here in South Korea. But uh, it's going good.
3: Basketball in South Korea. What's it like for Murphy Holloway?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm liked over here, like everywhere else. But um, it's, it's a little different, man. Only two Americans on the team right now. Only one can play at a time. So you're playing with four the Koreans. Um, Language barrier, a little difficult sometimes, you know, when you're trying to talk about, you know, helping helping out others on defense and switching screens. But I'm enjoying it, man. Life outside of basketball, different, but it's okay. Do
3: you got friends over there to hang out with?
2: Uh, Actually, man, one of my best friends from South Carolina is with me. I got him a job on my team. He does player development, so I'm good. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I was worried about you for a second there, Murph. Not that you're not personable and that everybody likes you, but with the language barrier and all that that comes with it, thought it might yeah. be a little tough for you. Has anybody slowed you down going left yet?
2: I get slowed down with a trap sometimes, but not really, man. Um, you got to catch them off guard, man. <laughs> but no, not really. They're still productive. Me, like, getting older, I feel like, man, I got to – I used to have, like, so much energy though, like – from playing in front of the press until, you know, I'm getting older. I'm about to be 30, man, in April. But next year, I had to change my whole diet, you know, from trying to eat red meat before games and sugars and stuff. I just got to – had to change myself just to make sure I had energy and wouldn't feel sluggish. But, um, now I try to, you know, keep people honest, man. Sometimes I work on the mid-range, man. And just actually putting the ball down right and going all the way right to where you gotta honor it. As far as getting old, yep. You
3: haven't gotten to the place like LeBron where you're having like spray paint on your hair, have you?
2: No, I'm bald though. So I don't, I went bald early overseas. I guess I was stressed. I guess I was stressed out early. <laughs> uh, when, I guess I've been stressed for a while, man. When I went bald, I just said, you know what? I'm bald and over with. I'm not gonna chase it.
3: I haven't gotten to that point yet. I've got the receding hairline. But I feel like if you get to the point where you know it's either shave it all off or try to hold on for dear life, just bite the bullet. Just shave it all off.
2: Yeah, because the the, the dear life is is still looking bad on you. So, Especially, you know, not to be crazy, but black people, man, we can't hold on too long, man. It's worse. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's worse trying to hold on.
3: A.K. didn't try to hold on either. He he went full bald.
2: Yeah, A.K. went full bald. Man, I seen Coach last summer, man. We had dinner in Birmingham. Oh, how was that? Amazing, man. Got to see him, his wife, his kid. Had a good time. Me and my boy Curtis Munch from Tupelo met in, um, met in Birmingham. Coach came out. We had a good time.
3: I've seen Coach a couple of times since he left Ole Miss. I told him before he left. Mm-hmm. If he got a job with the SEC Network, I know he still got the itch to coach that he was going to be so good, yep. especially calling games, he would never leave it. He would be too good at it. And sure enough.
2: Nah, man, he know, he, he knows the games uh, very, very well. I asked him about it, man, coaching. And, you know, he he, he just said that he would love to coach again, but um, he's doing what he's doing. He doesn't just want to take anything just to coach, though. You know, that was his main thing. He don't just want to take anything just to coach again.
3: What has that relationship been like? I mean, when you went through that time and place at Ole Miss where you had to leave, then you come back, you and Coach Kennedy always had a special bond. How did y'all build that? Where did it come from?
2: Man, I think it just came – I mean, it, it, it takes time, man. I think me and Coach are both people who you have to gain trust. I know I am, and I know he is. So you have to gain it. It's not just giving to him. Some people in life just give you trust, and then you have to burn that bridge. He's more so you got a game mind, and it's gonna be hard to gain it. That just happened with just going out every night and just playing hard, man, and you know sacrificing for the team. For him, you know that showed like that showed a you know a bit of, of care for me to him. So I, you know he, he he reciprocated it, man, with this with anything that I needed. You know, if I asked him this for advice on something, he gave it to me. Some coaches you can't reach like that. I thought the most players. That play overseas, and I asked them, "Do they ever talk to their coach?" No. Every everyone I talked to says no. I haven't met a person yet that can send a text to their coach and get a response, or even have their number.
3: The last time I talked to you at length, I think it was when I was doing the Andy Kennedy story, that long form story. And you mentioned during your recruitment, unlike all the other coaches that came to see you, because you were a highly ranked guy, you had a number of schools that wanted you. He walked in, and according to you shook your hand like a black man, and you went, yeah, this guy's different?
2: Coach got that thing about it, man. You know that, man. Coach, coach ain't all the way he, what he look like. <laughs> but uh, Coach is amazing, man. But you know, you know me. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm from where I'm from. I'm like, man, I ain't never really met to with the white guys that dap up like that. You know what I mean? Shake hands. But um, now just hearing myself even say that, I, it, it sounds weird. I know I did say it. Oh yeah. It sounds weird. But um, – Man, heck of a guy, man. He was just, you know what I mean? I had never met a guy like that, you know, at that point in time in my life in high school. But heck of a guy, man. Relates. He relates very well in any circumstance. You know what I mean? To where I'm from, to Oxford, Mississippi, to wherever. You can go anywhere and get a player. I've
3: had Nick Williams on this podcast a lot. I've had Marshall on this podcast a lot. I keep thinking back to those teams. Y'all were a special group. But, God, y'all were nuts,
2: man. I look up every day and just think, you know, I look up and I think, man, how did I even make it to where I'm at? You know, even making it to college. But it's, I'm thankful. You know what I mean? But i um, only with you, man. Coach Bill Armstrong, Tony Ward, you know, rest in peace, coach, and AK. They knew how to deal with us, though, man. That's that's part of going somewhere where you feel comfortable and feel like a coach to really give you a chance because they already knew. Most of the guys that played on our team, they knew our background. They helped us. You know what I mean? To become the man I am today, shout out to Coach AK and Bill Armstrong. Keeping it real and just, you know, giving you the real all the time, even when you don't want to hear it. No one cares. Work harder. AK words, you know? Hats off to them guys for, you know, making me who I am. Nick's been a great guy. Nick wasn't nuts, man. He was not nuts, man. With Marshall Reds, we was nuts. Me yeah. Marshall Reds nuts.
3: Well, that's what Nick and I talk about yeah. all the time because I talk to Nick a couple of times a week. Usually, it's yeah. to bitch about the Cowboys, but we've talked about that before. Yeah. He was effectively the sheriff. You were the enforcer. Yeah. Reggie was the shithead, yeah. and Marshall was
2: the wild card. Yeah, that is correct. Right on, right, right on time, man. Marshall, like I said, Marshall's somebody you never want to play against, but you want him on your team.
3: What is your favorite Marshall story? <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm glad none of you coaches are still there. We're in Kansas City at the um, NCAA tournament. And me and Reggie, you know, we were we had snuck off to the casino. <laughs> me and Reggie were going to the casino <laughs> and gambling in Kansas City. And we won our first game. Marshall wanted to go to the, you know, Marshall won a game. He wanted to go enjoy it. So I think he went to a bar down the street. And Coach Armstrong called him at the bar made him come back. He was you know Marshall's famous man. He was so famous at that time. He couldn't do stuff like that to get away with it, like me and Red could, honestly. So he you know, it was a big uproar. They had to go get him from down there. And he comes back to the hotel. We have a meeting. Coach is getting on about it. Marshall says, Well dang, y'all don't say nothing to Murph from Reds and they go to the casino I'm just like, Oh Lord, he done shot us in the foot <laughs> Man messing with Reds, man. I, I mean I've lost my per diem trying to go to a casino. Like I'm looking sick, man. I ain't had no money in college like that. I'm losing my per diem going to the casino trying to follow up Reds, man.
3: One of my favorite stories you ever told me about AK, and I can't remember exactly which game it was, but y'all lost. And AK had a tendency, yeah. when you lost a game, basically peel the paint off the walls, mad about losing. He hated losing games. And something to the yep. effect of, Reggie, you're no good. Murph, you're no good. Y'all are going to be off in Poland making, like, Polish sandwiches or something. What did he say?
2: Nah, this right here actually came. He was just telling us about, uh, you know, Coach, he's mad at, you know, like you said, we lost. But um, he was going across the room just giving everybody, you know, you know, giving everybody the real, man. You can't even say just BS. He was telling us, you know, Murph, you, you know, you're average, Reds. You know, he doesn't want to stay out of Memphis. You want to go to Memphis every weekend, every day off. You want to go to Memphis and see your mom and, see you know, see the boys. So Tariko he was good. Right go to the NBA. Won't stay long. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, he was serious, man. So EP, EP, Chris, he was like, y'all guys, you're going to be somewhere in Poland, you know, eating chicken sandwiches. That's so I told you. I never want to go to Poland because he was telling her that we were going to be eating chicken sandwiches in Poland. Begging, begging for a hot plate. I was like, oh Lord!
3: Now you're in South Korea, too,
2: Same way that story. stuck with me. Yeah. Now you're eating in South in Korea food. eating Subway. <laughs> That's great.
3: How often do you get to get back home?
2: I can go home. I go home usually the summers, man. Usually, me summertime, I go home. i got a we get breaks here. That break coming up. That fever break, you know, for like the national team. I can go home sometime, but. I don't typically just like to take the fourteen-hour flight home and turn around three days later and come back.
3: So when you do get home, you got the babies at home. Are you always shocked by how much they've grown,
2: babies. You're always shocked, man. You know, Facetime helps, though, man. I don't see how people did it back in the day without Facetime. I don't think I could. Facetime helps a lot, man, with the babies and just contact. You know, being with everybody, my lady, everything. It just it helps. You know, Facetime it makes it a lot easier. You know, like I said, I'm over here eating Subway. I walk to practice. I got, I got, I got a bike. I can ride my bike. Playing a nice gym. Man. We are playing a big gym. Nice city. You know, lady, kids back home. They're they eating good, living good. They just spend, you know, spending money that I make over here, and I just, <laughs> I don't use it because I ain't got nothing I want to buy over here. But they get, to, they get to enjoy it. She doesn't have to deal with me every day. So, I mean, she's living the dreams. They're all right.
3: It's different now. Families, it's a whole different animal, right? If you don't have your family with you, if you couldn't see them every day, see your babies, even if it's only through a screen, I don't know how you make it in South Korea. Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of those guys that went overseas like you back in the day, they left early because free from your family for so long.
2: And now to the point, I mean, they fly over here. I have flown my whole family over here, man, hang out. My mom, you know, everybody, friends, you know what I mean? So, like, one of my guys from Mount um, named Curtis Month, he flew to Israel to see me. He went to Jerusalem. We went everywhere, though. Like, you know, you realize I would have never left the country, though, if it wasn't for this basketball. I would have never I would never had the urge to want to go anywhere, like Paris, Milan. I would have never wanted to go anywhere. So just to see what I've seen and be able to go back home after all this, these experiences, It's going to be great. And then you made good money doing it.
3: I've known Curtis a long time. Y'all have one of the funniest friendships I've ever seen in my life.
2: Man, it's hilarious, man. But I've always been a guy who, you know, I wasn't big on just being friends with basketball players, you know? It's not just athletes. You know, I was always cool with whoever. You know, I felt like you got a connection as a friendship. It was cool with me, man. You know, I wasn't... Also on, on color, it didn't. It never bothered me. You know what I mean? It never bothered me what someone else, you know, thought about. Like you said, our friendship. But it just it happened one night out on the square, man. And we just started talking, we hung out, been cool ever since, man. Honestly, our biggest, our biggest thing I say he helped me with, man, was in life, understanding understanding the differences between, kind of like where I came from, where he came from, and just you know finances like Curtis is big on finance he's cheap man but me on the other hand never coming from something like you know good finances he helps me understand things and stuff like that it's, it's a great friendship you know what i mean we both we both gained something from it my boy's getting married in a little bit man so shout out to him yeah what's the
3: relationship now to ole miss basketball We'll get right back to all-time Ole Miss basketball great Murphy Holloway after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's Pharmacy. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford square offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store you go get a drink at the brewery maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the lamar will have once development is done build out is happening right now so get in while you can the houses are modern open concept one bedroom two bedroom whatever you're looking for in a home the lamar has the perfect spot for you but you want to learn more so call john welty today 662-638-6710 that's 662-638-6710 hello at the lamar MS.com. hello at the lamar MS.com. the lamar is hot the only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home oxford mississippi the lamar oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood a proud sponsor of talk of champions when it's football season all you want to do is be around football even when you make your trip to the pharmacy you want to see old miss the best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, cheneyspharmacy.com. And Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
2: Still good, man. It's, you know what I mean? I didn't think it would be still good. Kermit, embrace me. You know what I mean? Like, Anytime you want to come back, anytime you want to do anything, just um, let him know. I still play for South Carolina. Someone contact me, you know. Hey, go to Old Miss. If you've heard from him, great school, man. Great coach. Uh, you know, Devontae Shuler still there. That's my guy. From the same, same neighborhood, same city, same everything. So, you know, it's still there, man. still cool with some of the guys, man. Shout out to Terrence Davis, too, man. Big time. That's big, for, that's big for Ole Miss, big for the conference, big for coach. But it's still a great relationship, man. I'm still cool with a lot of people around there, man. My boy Ford died, man, Dr. die. I know I see on Twitter sometimes people give Doc a hard time, man. Hello, love you, Doc.
3: I saw you at the SEC tournament. Ole Miss lost its only game in the SEC tournament last year. But you were there. Mm-hmm. You've seen the growth of Old Miss basketball this year. They're running about 10 to 12 deep as far as their roster, the talent in which they're recruiting is different. Old Miss basketball seems to be taking yep. another step. You didn't get to play in the pavilion, but you see what Ole Miss basketball is and how big of yep. a hand you, Marshall, Nick, all y'all had in that. Does it give you a sense of pride? It
2: gives you a great sense of pride, man. man. You can only stay in college for four years, man. Play for four anyway. You can stay long if you want. But um, just to be able to do what we did in such period of time, amazing, man. You know what I mean? That short period of time, made people change their minds about Ole Miss basketball, how much they should invest into it, unbelievable, man. And the guys that's playing in the pavilion, they're doing it the right way, man. They're, they're taking pride in Ole Miss basketball.
3: You mentioned Devontae Shuler. That's your guy. He's from your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. You were so important in getting him to Ole Miss. What have you thought about his development now that he's been a point guard for two straight years, been the starting point guard? Terrence has gone to yep. the NBA. That's huge for Ole Miss. But Devonte's now stepping into an even bigger role as a scorer. What's just your overall evaluation of yep. Devontae, what he is as a player, and what he can be should he decide to go to the next level?
2: Devontae made the right decision by going to Ole Miss. for More than just, you know, for me and Murphy helped us get in here. He used to play the point guard position. Not many other schools would have even gave him the chance. Tyree was the point guard at Old Miss, which you know, but coach wanted to move him off the ball because he's such a scorer. Kermit did the right thing by putting him in position to be successful. So on the next level, he wouldn't have been a two guard, he would have been the point guard. Kermit did a great job by moving him to point guard. Um, he's done great at his position. You know, I think he's bought into it. You know, I always tell him, man, hey, man, this buy in, man. It's only a few years, man. Yeah, it's probably difficult, school, classes, whatever. It's only a few years, and then it's over. You know what I mean? It's over. Just buy in for a few years, do what you got to do, and successful in life, man. It's so
3: tempting, though, and I know it was for Devontae in the off season, and I know it's going to be there this time in the spring to make the leap, to go ahead and go. Tariqo wanted to go after his freshman year. He stayed. He went after his sophomore year. Because you're right there on the cusp of it, right? So to fight that and do what yep. ultimately is right for your development, how hard is that for a player?
2: Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. But it, 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 it's so hard for players who don't have guidance, man. You know what I mean? Once you leave, man, it's over. You're either a first-round draft pick or a college graduate, man. Mark, Mark, that's it. There's no, it's no in-between. You're a first-round draft pick. That's the only way you leave early. Or you, or you graduate from college, and then you try to make that leap, but don't kill your education trying to chase a dollar, man. Because you gonna come. Stay in college, get your degree, because when it's all said and done, that degree is gonna be the most important thing you've ever earned in your life. That's it. I promise you, it's not gonna be a, a bucket you scored, a game winner, nothing. So that's a, that, that's all I gotta say to most athletes, man. I, I never had the urge because I had. You know, I had a good man in my corner that just, you know, hey, you going to leave early and jeopardize what you work hard for. I work, I work hard to try to get a degree. So, I just think your first-round pick or college grad, man, that's my words to any athlete, graduate.
3: And TD's kind of shown these players the path now. Could have gone after his junior year. He stayed. Senior year played well enough. Yeah, yeah he went undrafted, but now he's yeah. getting valuable minutes for the Raptors, man. If you've got the talent –
2: yeah, there is a path, and one path is different. I'm not saying someone else would be like TD's, but it's possible. He graduated from college. He did what he's supposed to do, and he now look at him. He's in the NBA. Be able to take care of family, get valuable minutes. Most important thing is being able to take care of what you care about. If you don't have kids, if you don't have a family. It's yourself and safe for your future. But most important thing for most kids coming from, you know, the communities that we came from is to take care of. Family, he's gonna be able to do that for a long time.
3: Your favorite Ole Miss memory is still what winning the SEC
2: tournament? The SEC, the SEC tournament, man. Cause at that time, you, I just thought about everything that that team had been through, I had been through, um, you know, the sacrifices that we put in, you know, to get to that moment. And, um, you know, great things don't always happen at Ole Miss, man. You know that, man. It's, sometimes you feel like it's cursed. But to have that happen, you know, man, you know, stay the course. Slow grind, better than no grind, baby.
3: How the hell did Reggie miss that block against LaSalle?
2: Woo, I was surprised by that too, man. I'm saying. Uh, you know what, man? Hey, I don't know how he missed it because Reggie goes and gets everything. Got a funny story about this, man. I was heading to Turkey <laughs> on American, probably American Airlines. Man, listen, I grab a. A magazine, and I see that play in the magazine. What? Yes, in a magazine. They had that. I don't know because of what, what reason did we play at that arena, American Air. I have no idea. But they showed that, that block and a reference to something about an airplane. You know, the floater. I don't know. But yeah, I seen that in a magazine on the airplane. That floater, Red Jones for the block, it had the whole thing.
3: That team was a Sweet 16 team. LaSalle had no business beating you.
2: That was a sweet C-60. No business. I tell Ramon Galloway that all the time. They got lucky. Lucky Reggie I guess, was in a little foul trouble. Lucky that the ref didn't call the foul for Marshall close to the end. They were dead. They were finished.
3: That was 100% a foul on Marshall. Yes.
2: Yeah. The, re- the referees didn't. I mean, I don't, what do you have against Marshall, man? Call it a foul. It was a foul. Well, oh,
3: Murph, come on now. Marshall would admit everybody was out to get Marshall.
2: They were, they were, but it's all good. It's good catching up with you, buddy. I enjoyed it, man.
3: Nothing but love for you.
2: Let's make sure next time
3: it's not so long before we catch up, my friend.
2: Oh, man, definitely, man. And I'll be back. I'll be in Oxford this summer, man. for sure, too. Well, beer's on me. I'm taking it. (laughs) I'm taking it. Thank you, brother.
3: We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. That was all-time Ole Miss basketball, great Murphy Holloway. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Talk of Champions is powered by B&A Bank. Back with me now on Talk of Champions is Colin Brister. At Colin Brister, I'm at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions at iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. So here's where we are with the Athletics Director Search. Glenn Boyce, when he formed this committee, wherever you are, Glenn. <laughs> He's in Jackson. Oh, that's right. I actually tweeted about it on uh, Wednesday. I saw the tweet from Jeff Robertson, former Ole Miss Spirit staffer. He was there at the Mississippi Hall of Fame or whatever it was. Wherever yeah. the original SEC office was, they put up a marker to indicate that this is where the original SEC office was. It's a cool thing. Glenn Boyce was there. Keith Carter was there. Does that tell you anything? Anyway, Glenn, open invitation to come on Talk of Champions, but this is where the athletics director's search currently stands. When the committee was formed, they had a target date of having an AD in place by Thanksgiving. I firmly believe 100% they're going to have an AD in by Thanksgiving. I think they're going to do a second or third round of interviews early next week. Charlie Hussey withdrew his name. John Hartwell was not all that much a part of the process. Danny White was not interested. Tommy McClellan, the AD at Louisiana Tech, interviewed. Dr. Patrick Kraft from Temple interviewed. And he was told the day after he interviewed that Ole Miss is going, quote, in another direction. So he's out of it. Wren Baker at North Texas did not interview for the job. He withdrew his name prior to the interview process, and Keith Carter has already interviewed. Now, I'm not going to divulge one specific name. I'm only going to say one candidate outside of Keith Carter really impressed the committee with his vision for Ole Miss, the belief that Ole Miss didn't need to walk around with, with his head sulking, thinking that, oh, it's just little old Ole Miss. He basically said these things in the committee meeting, and it really turned the heads of the committee because no one wants to hear it if you're an old Miss person that old Miss is limited to being Ole Miss. But Keith Carter had a good interview. I fully expect Keith at the end of this process to get the job you and I talked about. He's going to be a victim, I think, of two previous, quote, national processes that led to... Ole Miss hiring the dude down the hall, but Keith is far more qualified for the job he could potentially get than a Matt Luke was to be the head coach of Ole Miss football or Glenn Boyce to be the chancellor of Ole Miss. That's where things are, and at the end of the process, I fully expect Keith Carter to still get the job. I could
1: be wrong, could be surprised,
3: but that's what it looks like.
1: So you're telling me that uh, Ole Miss is actually going to make a quality hire in one of the three biggest athletic positions on campus?
3: Despite following the exact same processes.
1: Yeah. I guess batting 333, That you play in the major leagues doing that. I
3: hey, guess. now, you and I aren't big believers in batting average, but if you're hitting .333, you are hitting 333 you can not scoff at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, your OPS has got to be pretty decent if, if you're yeah. hitting three thirty three. I mean, yeah. just Matt tells you that.
3: Speaking of baseball, Mike Bianco, almost head baseball coach, was on the Rebel Yo! Hotline on Monday. I covered fall practices religiously, went to Swayze Field multiple times throughout the fall, did interviews with a number of players, and it was interesting to hear about Taylor Broadway. If you yep. don't know, he was one of the two captains, along with Greer Holston, for the Pizza Bowl, which is the game that annually closes out fall inter-squad practices. And it might surprise you. You might say, oh, well, it's because he's a senior. No. Taylor Broadway, according to Mike Bianco, had the best fall of any pitcher. Taylor Broadway is in line to be the closer in place of Parker Cracy
1: it was kind of apparent to me last year that they wanted to use Broadway, that he just wasn't ready. Uh, he was a two-way player in Juco hit, and it was his first year being a full-time pitcher. But look, man, 93 to 95 with a decent curveball, you can figure that out. Um, so it was obvious to me last year that they believed in that kid. And and it appears just from listening to you and Bianco on uh, on the radio that, that he's put it together. And look, if, if that stuff, he's got it together. The, the stuff played. So I—that that's not really that surprising to me.
3: If he holds down that spot, it's kind of perfect for Ole Miss baseball. Austin Miller's versatility is a weapon for Ole Miss. They can start him. They can long relieve him. They can throw him out there in high leverage situations. You'd prefer not to limit Austin to the ninth. Now, you and I believe you pitch your best pitcher in the highest leverage situation. I don't believe in having a, quote, closer. But Mike Bianco does. So understanding that, Taylor Broadway being that closer – allows Austin Miller to fulfill the role that he filled last year when he set the single-season record for appearances by an Ole Miss pitcher. Out of the bullpen, Greer Holston can help set him up. Tyler Myers could play any number of roles for Ole Miss. He could be a long-relief option, a spot starter, a setup high-leverage situation guy for Taylor Broadway. But it's all contingent on Taylor Broadway actually coming through and delivering. He wasn't very good last year. Pitched to an ERA that was almost pushing seven. But in his last appearances, and he didn't pitch much toward the end of the year, but in his last couple of appearances, I think the last one was Jacksonville State in the regional, the Oxford Regional. He absolutely dominated against Jacksonville State. Now, it's Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State doesn't matter. But he was dominant. That's when you started to see that Taylor Broadway could be something more than simply mop-up pitcher that he was last year.
1: You don't often get this in college baseball, but you mentioned it with Greer Holston. You've got – well, and Austin Miller, too. Wow. You don't usually see three seniors that uh, you're going to be able to count on, but Ole Miss is. I mean, usually these guys are going by juniors, and for different reasons, they're going to be counting on seniors this year. And I think that – look, I'm not a huge experience guy, but I do think that matters somewhat when, when you're counting on the, those guys to get your biggest outs.
3: I think they could be special on the mound.
1: I don't think – and a lot of people are going to do this with the the 2017 kids that obviously struggled the, their first year. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being overly optimistic. I don't think they're going to struggle at the plate like they did that year. I think they've done some things with Juco guys, and I think the freshmen may be a little bit more ready to go than Dillard, Kessinger, and Johnson were. I think they're gonna hit okay. I don't look, they're not gonna bash the baseball like they did the past two years. But I don't think you're gonna look up in June and this you're gonna say, Oh, the the offense is what kept them from uh, out of a regional. I think the offense will be okay enough where it's you know, they're they're a back end host host type team or maybe a, a high two seed.
3: You and I are in complete agreement and it's not me being overly optimistic because if you've listened to this podcast or read my stuff for any length of time, you know I'm not like that. But this class that they just brought in is better than the 2016 class because of the depth. Gray Kessinger and Thomas Diller both had to play no matter how much they struggled, they had no one there to replace them. This team has options. So, if Peyton Chatanyer's fall was a flash in the pan, and if he goes into the winter and he struggles, and his struggles continue on into the spring, well, they can move Justin Bench down to second base and they could put Cade Simmons in center field and try him there, or John Rice Plumley, or Jerry on Ely. If Tim Elko, who's gonna start at first base, struggles to hit again Ben Van Cleve, Cale Baker, Kevin Graham's gonna play left field. He's not gonna play first base. Maybe Hayden Leatherwood plays well enough to handle right, and then Kevin Graham's so good in left, he handles left, Justin Minches in center, but then Peyton Chatney struggle. You see what I'm saying? They have options. Yeah. They can go yeah. any number of ways.
1: absolutely agree. Um, I guess real, real quick, what are fair expectations for, for Plumlee and Ely?
3: I have I'll no be- expectations. I only know they are faster from home to first than Josh <laughs> Hall. We're talking elite 60s. So Ole yeah. Miss is going to get its eyes on those two players and see what they can do. But if you're expecting John Rice or on to go over to the baseball field in the winter and take over a spot, your expectations are too high. If they do make an impact, it will be closer to end of March, April.
1: This just isn't a situation where look, those guys are, I mean, elite athletes. But you can't just go athlete your way into a starting spot. I, I just there's going to be a transition period, like there wasn't football, like there, that there will be in baseball, but. They're great athletes, like I said, but you can't just go out-athlete everybody in, in baseball and make it work.
3: Do you want the way-too-early projection for the starting lineup? Yeah, I'm interested. All right, here we go. Friday night, Louisville. Doug Nikhazy starting. Hayden Dunhurst is catching. Tim Melko's playing first. Peyton Chatagnier at second. Anthony Servideo is at short. Tyler Keenan's at third. Kevin Graham's in left. Justin Bench is in center. Hayden Leatherwood is in
1: right. And your D.H.?
3: Ben Van Cleef.
1: That absolutely plays. I don't think you disagree with me. Gunnar Hogland's ceiling is, is probably a little bit higher than than Nikhazy's. If he reaches that ceiling, do you think that there's a possibility where he moves to Friday?
3: Yes, because I think Doug was so good on Saturdays and such a weapon mashed up against other Saturday yeah. starters. Put him back on Saturdays, let Gunnar shove on Fridays, and then know that on most weekends, you're going to be up to nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, like you said, they're going to be special on the mound this year.
3: This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. My thanks to Murphy Holloway, all-time Ole Miss basketball great. Please subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a fleet of 247 Sports. Next week, it's the Egg Bowl. Brian Haydad's going to be on, possibly DeMarcus Gates. You know C.J. Johnson's coming on for Egg Bowl week. I saw DeMarcus Gates in Oxford on Tuesday night and talked to him. He's down to come on. He's actually soon to be heading to Houston for the XFL. So possibly DeMarcus Gates, for sure CJ Johnson, and every single year Brian Haydad and myself do a joint Egg Bowl podcast. But it's so incredibly sad and pathetic. This rivalry in this game is back to what it's always been, and that is the most important game on the schedule for both of these programs.
1: What some people want it, though. Yep.
3: Steve Robertson. This has been Talk of Champions. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll do it again.
1: Absolutely. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.